you're smart and work hard, but just aren't where or who you want to be. Welcome to your podcast, Real Confidence. I'm your host, Alyssa DeVere, and I'll be sharing a bit of brain science, some surprising social secrets, and a touch of tough love. Why? Because I believe confidence is everyone's fundamental right and choice. Let's get to it. I'm very picky about my guests who come on the podcast. I want really great people and I want people who say something that's really relevant, not just to the confidence story, but to the the listeners that I know are really using this content to transform their own lives. So I take it very seriously. So if I invite somebody for a second time, it's because they are really, really freaking special. Now, Aiden Miller was on my podcast talking about toxic bosses and she dropped the hint of how do you know if you're toxic? And I said to her, oh my gosh, it's another podcast. So guess what? She's back and we are lucky times two. Well, I'm lucky times two and some, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me back. Aiden, I'm so grateful. So for those of you who didn't catch the first podcast, Aiden is a, a, a Canadian, but she is, and I should say, but, and she is a wonderful consultant, a teacher. I learned so much from her. She's a fellow neuro nerd. And we're going to provide all the credentials in the show notes so you can reach out to her because you're going to want to. And today's topic is taken off from that last one, as I said, because we see toxic behavior in organizations constantly. Like this is not something that's unusual and that hurts my heart. And I guess before we talk about the details of how do you know you are one, if you are one, let's start with why is it so prevalent? How does it get so promoted? Like, what the hell? Like, why is it, why do we allow it to even happen? And subsequently then we become it. Amazing. That's quite a powerful place to start, isn't it, Alyssa? How did we get this way? What's going on? So I think there's a multitude of factors that kind of um, explain why toxicity is not only allowed to be perpetuated, but often promoted. The first, of course, being if you're someone who is toxic and you don't know it, but you're also someone who knows how to play the political game, you know also how to please the ones that are evaluating your performance. So in terms of higher echelons of hierarchies, not realizing the impact of the toxic behavior on those below or beneath, that ignorance also breeds an everything is fine mentality. So when you think about these toxic managers, recognize that shit doesn't roll uphill, it rolls downhill. And oftentimes the decision makers in the organization really are out of touch with what it's creating at the ground level. The second piece, and I love talking about this with folks because my emerging leaders have this passion, I have this passion for, for this reason, leaders generally are capable workers. They get promoted into leadership positions based on things that are easy to measure, right, Alyssa? Outputs, ideas, um, deliverables, revenue, metrics. And then all of a sudden they're in this position where all of those skills required for effective leadership and motivation of others are a lot more nuanced and harder to measure. So unless and until organizations start emphasizing how we do the work being as important as what we get done and having a way to measure things like connection, warmth, trust, engagement, and enrichment, we we have a long way to go. 
Oh gosh, it's an understatement. You know, there was some research done at Gallup saying eight out of 10 managers are not even equipped, let alone capable of doing those things. So you, you state very beautifully that it is behavior that is often even reinforced uh, and rewarded. So I, you know, the big question we talked in the last pod about what it looks like from a some from somebody else and how it makes you feel. But if you're the toxic one, do you think people even know that they're acting that way? Is it a conscious behavior? Yeah. So in many times, I think people are just enacting their own values or personality. And unless they're challenged in the impact those are having, they might not actually know it. They might not get up in the morning and say to themselves, I really want to go be toxic today, especially when you, when you think about one of the competencies of emotional intelligence, Alyssa, which fortunately is becoming more popular, more endorsed as a must have in leadership. One of those competencies is empathy, which isn't just perspective taking, it's also reading the room. And it is a skill to tune in and recognize the emotional impact you're having. But if you don't develop it or you don't have it naturally, you have to be focused and you have to pay attention and you have to grow it like a muscle. And what we know is if people don't have it, they have no idea of the impact they're having. And therefore, the answer to your question is largely, unfortunately, not. Yeah. And, you, you know, I, wanna, I find this a lot. And I'm curious if you do, too. Sometimes it's the bullies that actually appreciate you. They don't immediately appreciate it, but they do come back and say, thank you for telling me. Right. And I call people out a lot in my life. And then the older I get, the older for I you. you know, it's not just my <laughs> husband, right? It, literally doctors and neuroscientists, and I'll be like, knock it off. Right now, maybe I can get away with it because I am a confidence you know, expert and I'm a little older, whatever the reason. But I think in some ways they, it proves to me that they have no idea they're doing it. And they appreciate having that kind of additional input. So how, how are normal, you know, do people just kind of go through life being toxic and nobody says anything you think or sometimes, or sometimes the folks that are offended by those particular behaviors don't speak up hmm. because again, not every behavior is as offensive to everybody equally. Now that said, I've had similar experiences, Alyssa, where this really kind of emphasized the belief that I have that toxicity is far less often about bad intent as, a, as about unawareness. So when they're telling you, thank you, what they're actually saying is, I didn't have this data before. And if I had this data, because I know as a leader, my job is to motivate others and be resonant, as Daniel Goleman, forefather of emotional intelligence would say, they said, this is flying in the face of my own competence. And everyone speaks that language, don't they? So when they say thank you, I've had bosses say the same thing. Some of my worst experiences with one manager in particular, he came to me one day, he closed the door and he says, I want you to know this isn't the only tough relationship I have. What can I be doing differently? Hmm. And it was said in such earnest. It was quite a, quite a profound moment, I think, in my life and his. Yeah, no, it sounds it. And good, good for that manager for being so uh aware and, and open growth-minded, right? I, I think that's beautiful. Not everybody by any means is like that. Signs, signs that you might be a toxic boss or a toxic person. What are signs that we can look if nobody has the balls to tell us what should we be looking for or what, what are the tells? I think the first thing you can do is pay attention. We often say David Rock talks about it. He wrote a book called Your Brain at Work. 
our attention is becoming our most limited resource. And it's true that the less we pay attention, the more automatic and on autopilot we are, which is when all of those toxic behaviors actually get to go unchecked. Pay attention to not only what you're saying and how that might be perceived, but using that tuning in skill, we do know that there's an energetic quality to emotional response. You can see people shut down if you're paying attention. You can hear people not speak up if you're paying attention. You can see people's body movement change often if you're paying attention. And that's why the first thing you can and should do for yourself is observe in your lived moments, if you have enough capacity to do so, how you're influencing the room. All right. So give specific examples. Somebody's, what does it look like when somebody has experienced toxicity? You're saying their body movements change, like, for example. What, what could I look for? Yeah, someone might kind of crumple downward. We know that a threat response, especially for certain threat responses, is someone smalls themselves, actually physically. They might also look down. They might avoid eye contact with you. They might start fidgeting. They might distract themselves. In a room full of people, it's even more obvious because people will all be manifesting these at the same time. They might also start to have side conversations. They might even lean back in their chair, not in terms of a relaxed stance, but a checked out and disengaged one. You might also notice some eye signals to other people across the table. When I've coached leaders to pay attention to these signs, they can so much more quickly say, I can tell what I've said isn't resonating. Help me understand. And in that moment, they've taken a toxic moment and turned it into a trust building one only because they saw how people were responding. Yeah. Well, and here we are, we're talking on Zoom. I can see you, obviously the listeners can't because it's an audio only pod. And, you know, when you say read the room, Zoom or whatever internet-based system you're using gives you this wonderful power, quite honestly, to really pay attention. But I find, I wonder if you do too, that people almost do the opposite. They'll do anything to avoid looking at the screen. Absolutely. It has become tricky in this virtual space, hasn't it? We have to start almost looking for very different cues of engagement and disengagement. Right. And, you know, it's hard sometimes to focus on the camera where that person is, especially if it's a group and then the interpretation from the other people are they're not listening to me. It's not. It's that you have your pictures on the left hand side of my screen. Right. I teach I tell people about the power of the pen. And I don't know if you've ever read this in my stuff. It's a simple, simple tip. It's a way of saying to people, I'm holding a pen and I show it to you in the camera so that you know that I'm actually listening to you because at least you perceive that I'm writing down what you said, right? And that, you know, call it empathy or emotional intelligence, but giving people cues to let them know that what they're saying is being heard, that's a big deal for me, like, especially in this online world. So I, I think a lot of times we misread or don't read, like you say, other people's reactions and we have to tune into that. Absolutely, and again, Perception is as important as reality in the eyes of those we're leading. So these are the moments where actually sometimes over communication is a good thing. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Here's why my camera is off. Here's why you might notice some distraction from me because I don't want to be toxic. But what I want to explain is I've got a lot of things going on right now. And I do find that's tricky for leaders who are still battling against vulnerability and trying to kind of shed a little bit of that curtain around being iron and stoic and compartmentalized. I'm finding more and more importantly, it's important for leaders to lean in if they expect others to do the same. 
I love it. So that's going to give us a perfect segue. We're going to do a quick sponsor break, but I really want to come back and spend a chunk of our podcast time together. If you are toxic or you suspect you might be, what are the specific things you can do other than just tuning into those around you? So we'll be right back and hopefully you'll tune back into us then. This podcast was sponsored by It Cosmetics, a makeup and skincare company committed to helping all women be their confident best. It Cosmetics campaign, Confidence at Work, provides free brain science-based resources, including educational articles and videos developed together with the American Confidence Institute. It Cosmetics also partners with Kiva, an international nonprofit that directly empowers underserved female entrepreneurs. Please learn more at itcosmetics.com forward slash confidence at work. All right, we're, we're back. And again, I can't thank you enough, Aiden, for sharing your brilliance with us today. And I know you're going to give some really specific, helpful tips. If somebody suspects that they are maybe toxic, A, beyond kind of the tip that you said before, reading the room, keeping present, some really specific things you can do to, to find out, A, to validate, B, to deal with it. What do you do? Love that question. And the first thing I would love to say is if you even suspect you might be toxic, congratulations, because already you're better equipped than others. The moment you start to shine a mirror to yourself and the moment you start to care about whether you are or aren't, that's the first step because what that shows is a genuine self-awareness and a genuine interest in leading others well. So first, great. It's almost like acceptance is always the first step. If you, if you spot it, you got it. Then you're paying attention. The second piece is, and you kind of alluded to it when you said validate, I'm all about data, right? I have a psych background. I'm all about measurement. So get data, whether that be through tuning in, yes, but more overt ways of gathering data. Ask folks, right? Get almost that 360 feedback, even if it's informal, right? Ask people who know you, ask people who report to you in a genuine and earnest way, explaining that, of course, hey, this leadership gig is kind of hard. I think sometimes I make choices that more so reflect what I think is best, but might not be working for you. Do you have any feedback for me genuinely? I had a good leader who always asked, is there more of, is there something you need more of or less of from me today? And it was done in earnest and it was done genuinely because to your point earlier, Alyssa, sometimes they're just unaware. And when they ask, that's the first step. Wait, before you go on to your next step, I do want to also give people permission because I hear this a lot. It's just because you get feedback doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Acknowledge it, but you don't have to agree with it. But getting the feedback, absolutely critical. And I think in some ways it gives you that opportunity to really be like, hmm, what is it I want to do differently? And what is it that I really just want to re- reconstruct the perception, like you said before, right? Nailed it. Feedback is not about ultimate truth. It's about hearing what a little glimpse of someone's lived experience is. And if you could cater to that perception even slightly to elevate your effectiveness at a le- as a leader, I would want to know how I can do that. So that's a really good point. It Thank is. You. And, you know, I think there's a corollary to that, too. And you use the word leader. You know, I think it depends on your perspective of leadership and if it's, if it's servient or not and all that. But if you want to be a great leader and get the most out of your people, part of this game, I'll even go say to it, is to really understand those nuances. And so, again, you don't have to agree. You don't have to say, oh, they're right. But listening, hearing, considering 
please get feedback, think about it, and to be conscious about what you want to accept or not. So thank you for that tip. We'll keep going. I, I got two down. I'm sure you have another 10. In the I back. love it. And I love just the word consciousness, right, Alyssa? If everyone was just more conscious of what they were doing, I think toxicity would shrink relative to that. So, and then the final one is, you know, I, I also come from a background where assessments are used quite often to shine light on areas that are just a part of ourselves, but we start to open up how they might be perceived by others. So there's better assessments out there than worse, but so much of those co coaching and consulting businesses do well because they use validated scientific assessment and American Confidence Institute is also one of those organizations that tells people maybe some of what they already know, but also exposes some ways in which their strengths at times could also be working against them if they don't moderate for some of those toxic downsides. So I always believe in the value of data, how you get it, how often, and to your point, Alyssa, how consciously you decide to respond to that data, ultimately up to you. But at least you have a more fulsome picture of your leadership your style and how your values are translating in the workplace. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I think there is a thread here of it isn't about whether the behavior is good or bad. It's about how it's landing with the people that you need as much as they need you. Absolutely. Right? And as a leader, if I'm looking at it and going, well, they have to do what I'm telling them because that's, that's the job. I have some bad news for you. That's not the job. That's not even what anybody's paying you to do. What people are paying you to do is optimize the performance of the people you're leading. And if they are perceiving you as toxic for whatever reason, true or false. Yes. Hello. That's, that's the missing link right there is just find out how to close that gap and you're going to be a better leader, a better person. And I think I know a lot of people don't realize that till it's too late. Agree. Agree. Thank you. So, so well said, truthfully. Oh, look, look, I'm just riffing off of what you said. So, you know, what can I tell you? I, you know, I can only be as brilliant as the lights that are around me. So thank you. Loving um, folks. It's always a loving. <laughs> it is a loving. Hey, I've got, I got one more question for you, which is, can you, if you've been a toxic boss in the past and all of a sudden you have this revelation, you have this epiphany that like, oh man, that was terrible. And I'm going to do better going forward. Is there a way to reconcile? Should you reconcile with the people that maybe in the past really think that you're a jackass? Mm, yeah. Can you imagine how powerful that would be if you actually reach back out to those folks and say, listen, I'm realizing not because I meant to, not because I went through this life wanting to be toxic, but I'm recognizing the impact my behaviors have had. Imagine. So what I would say is I think that's always possible. And I think sometimes it's often necessary but it's hard to do the right thing sometimes. And so if you do want to reconcile, if you want to own it, first of all, yeah, genuine ownership, not selling yourself out, not making excuses, but to just say, I'm realizing the impact without me knowing that my behaviors have had in the past, genuine apology. We could go, we, we could do a podcast about what a good apology sounds like, but genuine apology, right? No excuses, right? And then finally, genuine action. Because it's only in the change of behavior that that apology resonates. And I think through some of the tactics we've talked about, Alyssa, we know that change is hard, but it's through the change that people believe you. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, as you were explaining that, there was a trigger and I apologize. It had nothing to do with the question. But a couple of years ago, there were two boyfriends that I had when I was in high school. 
-hmm. And it, they haunted me because it was my fault. I did some stupid things that I really regretted. And I decided to find them. You know, we can do that in the modern Facebook age. Yes. And uh, sent them both letters, handwritten letters. And, you know, I was very, very conscious of saying, I realize I'm doing this to clear my conscience. Mm. But if there was, if there's any lingering hurt, I just want you to know that in hindsight, I realized that I was a jerk and I'm sorry. And one of them was absolutely grateful for that. And the other mm. one was actually very upset. And so, you know, it's part of why I probably asked you the question in a subconscious way is that when you do go back for that forgiveness, yeah, it may not be all roses, but at the same time, I think it is still the right thing to do. Um, mm. And I do think people eventually come around and realize that you're trying to do the right thing, like you said, in earnest. So I do want to encourage people to consider it, but also be very honest with themselves that it can't be just for your own sake and your own release, right? Yeah, you know what's so good that you mentioned, because even before that, I think you have to clarify your own intentions and reasons for doing it. And if it's to get validation back, manage those expectations. But you're right, ultimately, it's it's the right thing to do. So I think that's a beautiful example. Thank yeah, you for that. And then and then do it and then act and 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 lift level up, right? Don't just think up, level up, do it. That's right. That's right. Aiden, we're going to continue to talk forever as friends forever. And I might even have to have you on for a third, fourth, fifth podcast. But for now, all I can say is thank you for sharing the brilliance again. Thank you for being part of this world and being part of the solution, because if we can get rid of some toxicity in ourselves, let alone other people, boy, that's a good day. Thank you so much, my friend. Again, feelings are always mutual. You're doing such great things in this world, and I'm just happy to be a part of it via this podcast once in a while. Always glad to be back. Thank you. So before we completely wrap up, I want to let you know that full transcripts and show notes for this and other episodes can be found on the website, www.americanconfidenceinstitute.com forward slash podcast. I also want to remind you once again, that the best way to get confidence for yourself is to give it to others. And you can do it so easily just by liking and sharing this episode on your favorite social media channels. You can even give me some confidence fuel by sending in any comments about the topics I've covered or ones you'd like me to consider for the future. So for now, this is Alyssa DeVere. Thank you for helping to bring more confidence to the world. This podcast was produced by Mindful Media. All rights reserved by Alyssa DeVere and the American Confidence Institute. Music written and performed by Jeff Weinstein.